Hi, this is Crystal Eddins at, from the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. And my Tika Histoire for this week is on women Maroons in the Maniel community and their re reproduction. So the Maniel community was one of, or the Maniel uh, Maroon community was one of the, um, I think more longer standing uh, Maroon communities that was based in the Baruco Mountains, which um, at the time in the 18th century sat right in the middle of the border between the French side of the island, San Domingue, and the Spanish side of the island, Santo Domingo. And so uh, the Maroons who had occupied those spaces um, kind of even date back to some of the first Maroons uh, who escaped slavery and went to those mountains in the mm -hmm. 15th and 16th centuries. Um, but later in the 18th century, there were um, folks in that community who eventually uh, came to treaty with the French and the Spanish to negotiate um, for their own freedom and to negotiate for you know, land to, to cultivate on their own. And in one of the, in the, the, the treaties um, that I found in the French colonial archives in Aix-en-Provence was a list of all of the families and individuals who uh, were part of this community. Um, there were over 100 and around 130 people listed, um, women, men, and children, um, their names and their ages. And so what I was able to do with that document was to um, calculate the child-woman ratio uh, for that Maroon community and to compare it to other studies who have calculated the child-woman ratio for enslaved women who were still on plantations, on sugar plantations and coffee plantations. And essentially what I found was that the child-woman, the child-to-woman ratio for the Maniel community um, was over twice as high as the child-to-woman ratio for um, women on plantations, enslaved women on plantations. And so what that demonstrated to me was that um, this Maroon community, and I think there have been other studies who have shown this for places like Jamaica as well, but Maroon communities were spaces where uh, women were having children. Um, as mundane as that might sound, it was not at all mundane in a colonial space where um, so many people were dying and were women uh, were being so overworked. People were being so overworked, but women in particular were being so overworked and um, abused so uh, routinely that they weren't reproducing naturally. Um, and and the, the, the numbers of uh, reproduction was actually quite low. And so when we think about um, what re reproduction meant, what children meant in this context, um, I consider uh, the ways that um, these women were able to kind of find a space to cultivate human life as a, um, a form of, of reproductive justice, where uh, we think about the, the right of women to, you know, decide when or when to not have children. Oftentimes with, you know, literature in the, um, on, on slavery in the Americas, when we think about women's forms of resistance, uh, we often, you know, think about the enslaved women who chose not to have children, who used um, herbs and, and other types of uh, medicinal practices to uh, prevent pregnancy. They used um, elongated periods of, of breastfeeding to prevent pregnancy. They used different types of methods um, to, you know, keep themselves from, from bearing children that would then 
be enslaved because one's slave status was determined by the status of the mother, right? And so oftentimes women were opting not to have children, um, but the fact that women were indeed reproducing in this Maroon community um, and in other Maroon communities of the Americas, I think speaks to um, not only the conditions that were um, more favorable to childbearing in these spaces, but also to the ways that, um, you know, human life and the cultivation of human life in and of itself was a, um, a direct, a direct contradiction to this uh, slave society that was so inundated with with death 